Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Would you take your Bibles and open them to Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, we'll pick up in verse 20 there in, in a little while, but this topical message is entitled, Loving the Past but Living for the Future. Loving the Past but Living for the Future. You know, it's been said that every church ends up somewhere, but some churches end up somewhere on purpose. And it's good to be reminded that God wants us to live our lives with purpose, or there's a word that's being used today, with intention, or that we intentionally do things with focus and purpose. And we wanna end up where God wants us on purpose. Really, we wanna end up where God wants us as a church family on his purpose. What's his desire for us? Why are we here? Why does Calvary Church exist? What is on God's heart for us? not just corporately uh, as a church body, as a church family, but individually. What is God doing in us? Because we are the church. And you know, when you think of your life, we all do things on purpose. We do things on purpose. Sometimes we're paying attention to that. And other times it's just out of habit. Even if you're here today and you say, well, wait a minute, Ed, I'm more of a kind of a laid back person and and, I just kind of take things as they come. Well, that perspective, that personality, you live your life on purpose. You just have a tendency to be laid back and we praise God for you. But other people, they, they take a more focused approach on making decisions with a purpose in mind. And you know, God has a purpose for his church and he has a purpose for our church. And it's always good to be reminded of why God raised up another congregation in this community. You know, we're entering into our 20th year as a church. It's just unbelievable. I started serving here when I was five years old. And I I just want you guys to stay with me. Stick with me. We're entering into our 20th year of ministry. And it goes by just like that. In December, it was 19 years that we had finished ministering on December 26th. We marked the 19 years and we're entering into our 20th year. And some of you have been with us for a long time and some of you are just joining us. But I like to, at the beginning of a year, I I tend to become a little nostalgic. I look back on the year in my own life. I look back at what mistakes I made, what things I I did well. I begin to think of where I can improve and what is it, God, you want to do? And and the year has passed and there's nothing I can do to regain it. But now what can I learn? What can I learn from the successes? What can I learn from the failures? Because I want the next year to truly be different than the last. I want to look forward and yet I want to learn from the past. And, and I was thinking, I always think in the life of our church, you know, 20 years ago, if you were to visit this corner, there was nothing here but dirt. As a matter of fact, 20 years ago, not even that church up on the hill was there. This was all a 10-acre piece of dirt. And if you visited Columbia Middle School behind us, there was no Calvary Chapel meeting there either. The, the, there was no church. This church didn't exist 20 years ago. And yet God, in his sovereign purposes, desired to plant a church here. He desired to raise up another church when there were already great churches in our community. And we always want to be reminded, why? Why would God raise up a new congregation? And there's a lot of reasons to that. And one of the reasons is you. 
God planted this church in this community for you and for me to use it in our lives. And we look back over the years and think, wow, all of the many people we've had the privilege to serve, all the many people we've had the privilege to serve alongside of, fulfilling the purpose of God, a purpose of his church family. Now, if you've been with us for a while, none of this is really new. Today's message is much more review than it is anything fresh, but it's good to be reminded why God would raise up a church, why he would plant a fresh new Calvary Chapel so that we might be able to love people and teach them the Bible and serve them. And and in my own personal heart, to make sure to the best of my ability to surrender my life to Jesus Christ so that you become the best fed and the most loved congregation in all this community. That's my heart for you, and it's good that we are here. You see, we love the past, but we live for the future. We don't neglect to remember where we came from. As a matter of fact, there'll be times, I'm sure you can look online, that I've taught messages, don't forget where you came from. It's very important. Don't forget the beginning days, or like Jesus would tell the church in Ephesus. Because listen, we never wanna be the church in Ephesus. And you know, I don't think the church in Ephesus, when they got that post-it note from Jesus in Revelation, really believed they were the church of Ephesus. And here's what I mean. You, you go out to the mailbox. You never want this to happen. You go out to the mailbox, put your key in, take it out, and there's only one letter in there. It's a letter from Jesus Christ. And you're like, whoa. You run home from the mailbox. You go, honey, honey, guess what? Jesus wrote us a letter. Well, we'll open it up. Let's read it. So you open it up, and there it is. Dear Calvary Aurora, I see what you're doing. It's great. Yes, Lord. I see all your good works and I see your discerning. And he goes on a list with the church in Ephesus, right? And you're just so encouraged. Yes, Lord, we love you. We serve you. We're going through them. We love serving you. And then he says at the end, he says in the middle there, but. And then the music changes. Dun, dun, dun. But I have this against you. What do you mean you have this against me? I'm so active, doing so many great things. What do you mean you have this against me? And what does Jesus say? And I'm paraphrasing, of course, from Revelation. Jesus tells the church in Ephesus, I have this against you. You have left your first love. So remember from where you have fallen. Repent and repeat the first works. I think that was a surprise to the believers in Ephesus. And it would be equally a surprise to you and me. I believe God has brought me here today to remind us or to at least remind some of us, it's time to wake up. We can't settle down in complacency and comfort, even though that is our tendency. I like what Pastor Greg mentioned. He says we we can't, Pastor Greg Laurie, he says we have to be very careful that we don't just adopt a cultural churchianity, neglecting the power of the gospel. Like, yeah, Lord, I love the past but we live for the future. We celebrate what God has done. We celebrate where we've come from in order to prepare us for what God is doing, for what he does. We can't live in the past. We can't go backwards. We can only move forward. And as we move forward, we need to trust him. We're to look up, not back. That's what Jesus said. We're to expect him. Or as he taught us in the parable of the Minas, he says in Luke 19, verse 13, so he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 Minas, and said to them, do business until I come. That's the mandate of Jesus. Do business until I come. I'm coming again. 
Look up and expect me. We always live with Jesus as the anchor of our church and his word giving us the cues because he alone is worthy of our worship and commitment. Now over the years, as I've served here in this community, I've seen a lot of things come and go. I've seen churches move locations. We've done that a few times. I've seen churches merge together. I've seen churches change directions. I've seen a few fellowships go rogue and go heretical and not even be a true church anymore. I've met pastors, I've met men and their families that felt a strong calling to the city, a strong calling to the state, only to now have another strong calling to leave when things got hard and things got rough. I've seen churches grow and I've seen churches shrink. I've seen churches come and go. And let me just say this, I pray for churches to come and I pray for churches to grow. Do you know that we're not in competition with any church in town? You know that, right? That if another church in town grows, that's a good thing. We should rejoice. We should be happy. They're reaching your neighbors. They're reaching your coworkers. They're reaching people that we aren't reaching. In the body of Christ, when we hold to the same foundational principles, we are in unity in Jesus Christ with every two church in town. We're not in competition with them. We, we are excited for them. We pray for them. I get excited. It actually stirs me afresh when I hear about another church planner that came. And I'm like, man, what is he seeing that I haven't seen? Like, what, what new fresh vision is God giving him for our city? And, I, and this is a time, you know, when a church gets to this place, got 19 years under, under our belt, this is a time where the temptation to just coast along floods in. You know, where we have the resources that God has entrusted to us, and, and here we are, we're just moving along. But that's not my heart. I don't want to coast along. I don't want to be in a place where we just go through the motions. I'm always asking God, what new fresh thing? I, when we get together with the pastors in the beginning of the year, we haven't done it every year, but many years, we'll talk about if we were just moving to town today and planning a church, and we have all these resources, what would we do differently? What would we do differently? What new method? What, what new outreach? God, what do you want to do to reach the people of this city and of this region? We've been blessed to be a part of this fellowship family that has such a rich heritage and a strong foundation that we love the past. And I'm grateful for the men that have gone before me. I'm grateful for men like Pastor Chuck Smith my pastor, Jeff Johnson, on whose shoulders I have the privilege of standing of all the foundation that they've laid for us on Jesus Christ, that we're able to look back and go, man, it's so good to be a part of a healthy fellowship of believers. And with all that God has entrusted to us, all that he wants to do through us, we don't want to lose sight of who we are. We don't want to lose sight of what God's doing and how he wants to accomplish new, fresh things in our lives. God has planted this church, and it's a joy to be a part of it. And we can say with confidence that we're here by the will of God. And what, has, what he has in store for, for us is wonderful and exciting as we enter into this 20th year. I'm thinking this. This could be the year that the Lord returns. This could be the year. Like, this could be the moment. And you're like, waiting, when, when, Lord? Come, Maranatha, even so, come quickly. But isn't it true? we get bogged down with life. We lose sight of the eternal because we get caught up in the temporary. Whether it be pain or sorrow or difficulty, 
whether it be chasing after the buck or changes that God has allowed into our lives that have hurt us or harm us. It could be some sin that's taken root. It could be some difficulty and, and life begins to sap, physical life begins to sap out the eternal desires in our hearts and we're not so excited about the coming of the Lord. We're not so excited about doing business until he comes. And you know, as a church, I just see so many changes coming, good changes, changes that will, God will use in great ways. And yet with some of the changes, some things are not going to change. You know, before we moved here, so many years ago, we moved here 19 and a half years ago, my family and I, just the five of us. My youngest was in diapers. And I sensed this desire to leave Southern California to a place where there wasn't a church like this. It wasn't a Calvary Chapel ministry. You see, where I grew up, it was not uncommon to have Calvary chapels. You know, I drove to the church that we went to and we passed four or five Calvaries on the way. Very saturated in Southern California and California in general with solid Bible teaching churches, many of them Calvary chapels. And so as I'm worshiping in the room like you are, I'm thinking, God, what do you want to do in my family? God, what do you want to accomplish in my family? What, what is it that you want to do? I've sensed this desire to serve you and to be used by you. And as we were praying about coming out, God gave us a mandate to go into this city, in this particular city. You see, for me personally, in my own experience, I can say without a doubt that this work, this church is a work of God and not me. I can say that without any question because God did a work in me before I ever moved here. Humbling me, breaking me, and revealing my own heart to me, which is a very difficult thing to have God do, you know? To see your own heart. You, you know, sometimes we're praying, oh Lord, oh Lord, reveal, show me my own heart. Reveal to me any unclean thing. And when he does, it's very painful. And then we pray, well, renew a steadfast spirit in me, Lord. Change my heart. And so by the time we moved here back in 1999, God had already prepared me that not, he ripped out of my heart to do something for him. He didn't want me to do something for him. He wanted me to join what he was already doing. He wanted to be a part of his work. That's the heritage of our church. And he gave me a verse years ago, long before we moved here. He gave me a verse. And, you know, I think they're going to put it up up here on the pulpit for me. And we like uh, technology uh, because in the day we didn't get to do this. But now we got this fancy pulpit. We can do that. But this doesn't change. This is the verse that God gave me when I moved out here. And it reminded me in John chapter 12, 21, we wish to see Jesus. That, that, there is a, that when we move to the city, there's going to be a lot of people that they need to see Jesus. Some are going to ask. Most aren't going to ask. But we have a responsibility to introduce people to Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the church. To point people to Jesus. That's the purpose of why we exist. To point you to the Lord. In your difficulties, in your sorrows, in your sadnesses, in your joys. It's all about the Lord. It comes from him. It goes back to him. Jesus is the alpha, the omega. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And everything about his church is about Jesus Christ, period. That's not going to change. We got to continue to look to the Lord. For some of you, that's a word from the Lord to you right now. You, the answer on your, of what's on your heart right now, how will you get through today? How will you get through this? Is look to the Lord. We wish to see Jesus. That doesn't change. And as God stirred us up to come here, we've been involved in so much. I really, if you would have told me ahead of time that we would experience what we've experienced here, I, first of all, I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have believed you. 
When we moved here to Colorado, I was just thinking, well, Lord, you know, first of all, it'd be really nice that anybody, I could teach the Bible to anybody, that I could just meet people. I didn't know anybody here. I could just meet some people and we can open up our home and, and study the Bible together. And we did that. And then we had a few people coming to that Bible study. And then we ended up moving up here and, and taking on a group that was already meeting. And then we changed the name of that group and became Calvary Chapel. We started on Sunday, December 26, 1999, and it blew my mind. But if you would have told me that not only would we experience the, the many people we've got to serve over the years, the families, the, the, the walking alongside all the weddings here and even the memorial services and all the outreach, all the salvations, all the lives changed, families changed. If you would have told me about the pain I'd experience in Colorado, if you would have told me about all the backstabbing I would go through, all the difficulties, all the people that would come against the ministry here, all the people who would post things and write things and say things, they're probably saying things right now. If you would have told me all all of that, you know what? Just between you and me right here in this room, don't tell anybody outside of this room. I probably wouldn't have come. He said, Ed, it's going to be horrible and hard over there. You really want to serve me? Yes, Lord, but it's going to be hard. No, I changed my mind. I'd rather stay where it is comfortable. But then God reminded me of Saul. Remember when he was saved? The message that was sent to Saul of Tarsus was, hey, tell him. I'm going to show him how many things he's going to suffer for my namesake. And so our suffering and difficulty pale in comparison. They don't even measure up to the glory that will be revealed in us in the future. And that it's all been worth it. That life change and sacrificing our lives and laying our lives down on the altar of service and sacrifice for Jesus Christ, it's worth it. And it could be that some of you today have lost your way. You need a little note from the Lord to say, hey, I see the activity, it's religious, you know, it's habitual, but, but you're just really not pressing in anymore. You just really don't care anymore. You're just not really going after the lost anymore. You're just not really living vibrantly. You did in the past, but that's kind of how you live. You live in the past. You know, there'll be times when people come up and they'll talk to me and they'll say, well, you know, Ed, don't you remember the good old days? Good old days. And in the context of our church, you know, they might be going back to the time we were in the school. This church met at Columbia Middle School for seven years. Seven years. And I have to say, we had some good days there. Some great fellowship there. The good old days. The good old days. But you know, there's a, there's a thing about the good old days, and it really depends upon your personality. So, so if you have kind of a pessimistic personality or you have a sensitive conscience about you and you've made some mistakes in your past, when you think back to the past, you have a tendency to think about things that you regret. It's kind of a dangerous thing for you because you look back and go, man, I wish I didn't do that and I wish I didn't get involved in that and, and the Lord's always ministering. You know, there's no condemnation in Christ, but our memory is a funny thing. When we think back, we don't always think back to the good old days. We think about the, the days that I didn't, had mistakes. I made sinful mistakes. Some of us were saved later in life, and we wasted a lot of our life on sin. Now, if you have an optimi a more optimistic personality, then you think back to the highlights of life, and you forget the bad things. The pessimistic guy, you kind of look to the bad and forget the good. If you're an optimistic type of person, you kind of look back and you forget, the, uh, you forget the bad and you only think of the good. But you know, it's a collection of everything in our lives. In the good old days, I always like to say, I always have a couple answers. At first I want to go, well, what good old days are you talking about? 
It's like, oh, remember we were in the school and there was just a few of us in that room and we got there early and we were excited about, I said, yeah, yeah, it was, it was good, but, but maybe you forgot about set up and take down. You know, maybe you forgot about the difficulty of getting there in time and we had to leave really fast and we could, maybe you forgot about, you know, I'll tell you, I, I, I love the memories back in the school, but I'll tell you what, the first day we moved in the school was the first day I started thinking about getting out of the school so that we could have a more permanent place to launch out ministry in our city because it was very permanent and very expensive. And so as you think about the good old days, the second question I ask you is, as you're talking about it, I would say, yeah, I, I know there are good old days, but what have you done lately? What have you done lately? How far back do we need to go for the good old days? How far back? Does it have to be a year? Does it 10 years ago? Is it 20 years ago? What are you doing now? Now I love, you know, for us as a church, we have a rich heritage that is rooted in the Jesus movement of Southern California in the 60s. Uh, they, it, it wasn't isolated to Calvary Chapel, but Calvary Chapel was a huge part of it with a man by the name of Pastor Chuck Smith. You hear him on Grace FM. Pastor Chuck Smith has graduated into heaven, but man, we still love and appreciate him in so many ways. And I've been reading a lot about that because <clears throat> here's the thing about our past. In our past, the gospel was poured out on a group of pe people known as the hippies. Do you guys know what hippies are? Yes, no? I'm not a hippie. I wasn't even alive back then. So when I look back, I'm really eager. I, I want to know about it. I've been reading a lot. I've been reading a lot, especially the book by Pastor Greg Laurie called Jesus Revolution. Unbelievably stirring that the Lord has used his life to stir. And I love to hear it. I love to hear all the stories. I love to hear how it was, the outpouring of the Spirit, how messy it was, and how the Lord showed up. But you know, I wasn't there. I, I didn't experience it. And I believe that what God did in the past, God wants to do now. That he's not done. That it's not just rooted back 40 years ago, that God is working now and he's still wanting to do something fresh. That there's still room for revival in our country, there's still room for revival in our world and it really just starts with us. There's room for revival in you. And the last thing you wanna do is become complacent and comfortable and get comfortable with just church attendance perhaps or just reading your Bible sometimes. And when God brought us here, he's done great things. Oh, I've had my fair share of painful moments for sure. But God has been good. He's been gracious to us. Faithful even when we are faithless. And he's fulfilled and is fulfilling his calling to me and in through me to teach you the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. That won't change. Our commitment to you is to disciple you, as we'll see in a moment, to build you up. God created the role of pastor teachers so that you might be edified, that you might be built up, you might be strengthened, you might learn more about the love and the grace of Jesus Christ and fall in love with him and surrender your life to him. And so we started that first service and God has blown my mind. If you would have told me what we'd be a part of, I just wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have believed it. I came here just thinking, you know, if, if we see enough people to come that maybe I would quit my full-time job in the corporate world and just dedicate myself to teaching that group, you know, maybe a church of 100, 150 people, adults, that would have been fine with me. 
It would have been more than enough for me. It would have been glorious. You know, I've shared with you before, when we opened our home and started the Bible study, there were nights when zero people showed up. I'm just like, Lord, what are we doing? Why did we move here? And he was just testing my heart as he continues to test and as he continues to grow. And so I asked you to open Ephesians chapter 3, as I told you we'd get there eventually, because I want to remind you of a glorious truth from God, that he's still doing this. Even for those of you that feel beat down or maybe you have become religious and you've left your first love, we can't leave the purpose of his church. And in Ephesians chapter 3, I'll draw your attention to verse 20. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. He means this. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can think or ask. But have you been thinking about God working in your life lately? Have you been asking? Have you been seeking? God, this is what I see in my life. I want to please you. I want to honor you. I want to use my job to glorify you. I want to use my relationships. God, how do you want to use me? I want you to go farther and beyond what I'm currently at. And that's where comfort comes in. We don't ask anymore. We go through the motions. We just find ourselves in a place of religion and not in a place of pressing in. I believe God wants us to ask and think great things in this city, in our lives, to bring glory to his name. And we do have a lot ahead. Been discipled. I've been discipled to take ventures of faith, to step out and see what God might do. I've been discipled to constantly experiment and just see what God might want to do. You see, the, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ never changes. We are committed to teaching you through the Bible, to take the Bible. You see, now, if you're new to this church and you're unfamiliar with something known as expository teaching, then, then I want to explain that to you because most churches, they teach from the Bible. And what that means is, is they take a verse or a section and they teach from the Bible and usually they do it through a topical series and you go, you're thinking right now, but Ed, isn't that what you're doing in the month of January? Yes, but it's temporary. I'm not opposed to that type of teaching and I praise God that people use the Bible and sometimes we do need to emphasize this particular topic, but not on a steady diet. What you need in a steady diet is through the Bible. The way God wrote it, the way God delivered it, in the context that he gave it, and with the meaning that he had not only for the audience, but for us that are living now many thousands of years. The Bible is the most relevant book on the earth. It's living and powerful. And so my prayer is always to teach the Bible and not make it boring. Because if you ever get bored in a Bible study, that's my fault, because the Bible's not boring. God is not boring. He is on the move, and he's always working in our lives. So that would be my fault if I did that. And so we're committed to it. The the message never changes. But guys, the methods have to change. They have to change. Like for example, in a real simple way, if you went downstairs after the service and they say, can I get a copy of the message, the Bible said, I want to give it to a friend. They are not going to give you an eight-track tape. Now some of you are like, what's that? Okay, cassette tape. You guys know what a cassette tape is? You're not going to get a cassette tape. Right now we have CDs, but pretty soon we're probably not going to have those anymore either. You know why? 
because we get thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people listening to our Bible studies on their phone. It used to be on the web, but now it's on their phone. We can track it. We can see what they're listening to. We can see what, how, how many times they're listening to it. Like technology has in, surpassed this that if we were still just giving you eight track tapes, we would be missing an audience. And so the methodologies change. And what we have to learn is, is that we're experiencing, experimenting with different methodologies or whatever, as long as we're not watering down the gospel, not taking away the word of God, not preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ where there's power, then, you know, the methods change because, because we are not carrying flip phones anymore. How many of you are carrying an iPhone or an Android device right now? How many of you guys have one? Just look around the room. A lot of people have them. How many of you are not carrying it? Okay, 10 years ago, they invented the smartphone. And they said it would never take off. They said it was innovative, but it was too expensive, and it would never take off. And now a majority of the world carries a smartphone. And you go, what's the point? The point is this. There's change all around us. Whether we adapt to it or not, change is a coming. And it happens all around us. And how careful we need to be that as we adapt to various changes, we never mess with the gospel. It needs no improvement. It needs not to be watered down. The gospel and the sure, true teaching of the word must go forward. And that is something we're committed to. And already you see changes around the church, different things going on, and it's great, and it's grand, and it's wonderful. But Jesus must stay at the center. God sent his son Jesus for the salvation of souls. He didn't send Jesus for buildings or ministries or dirt or technology or coffee. Jesus came for souls. And we can never forget why we've been put in this city. And before we get to a reminder of the vision of our church, I want to speak to you personally for a moment because one of the biggest change, changes you probably will experience is going to be in me. And it's already been happening through 2018. 2018 was a very strong year for me, personally. Um, if you're new to the church, you may not be aware of this, but it's worth understanding where I've come from. In May of 2013, our oldest son died, tragically. And with his death, I almost died. It almost destroyed me. I mean, still even to this day, there's not a day that goes by that my heart doesn't ache for my son. I miss him. You know, he and I, we planted the church together. I mean, he came out with as much faith as I did. He was a state trooper. He found his calling. We raised a cop. <laughs> a punk like me in jail all the time raised a cop. You got to love the Lord like that. And he loved what he was doing. He enjoyed, he was a state trooper here in Colorado. And, and it was a tragic, sudden death. And, and there's still things surrounding his death that cause us pain every day, even to this day. And and it almost wiped me out. I know what the psalmist says. I understand where the psalmist says, my feet almost slipped. I mean, I have to say that my feet probably did slip many, many times. And there were seasons in the last five years, you know, really prior to 2018, where I didn't really even know if this was my calling in life. I questioned everything about my life. And that, that reflected in my Bible studies. It reflected in my leadership. I mean, it, it actually 
diluted my leadership, which is not necessarily a bad thing because one of the things that you guys have stuck around, because many of you did stick around, uh, that you learned that the church is not about Ed Taylor, that God, is, Jesus Christ, is the shepherd of his church, and he doesn't need me. Uh, he'll choose to use me, but he doesn't need me, and so that's great. But not, many, not, not everyone stuck around. Not everybody liked it. Not everybody liked to see me hurting, or not everybody wanted a pastor. Would, you never knew when he was going to cry. Not everybody wanted that, and people left, and I understand that. And, and I didn't know when it was going to end either. I mean, I don't think, I don't think the grieving part has ended because, you know, anyone that grieves, you understand it's like getting sucker punched every day, every moment of every day. And just when you think you've got a day, you turn around and somebody punches you and then kicks you and then you've got ministry things. As I was sharing with a friend yesterday, you know, most people have the privilege of grieving privately, but a pastor has no choice but to grieve publicly. Because God wants to use our lives as a demonstration of his power and his strength. And so I was weakened by this loss in my life. I was weakened. It was, it was a hard, hard years. So much so, I just recently received an email or a letter. I don't remember which. I can't find it. So I'm really eager to find it so I could quote it. But I'm going to paraphrase it for you. I received a letter recently from a gentleman that after my son passed away, he left upset. He actually wrote that in his letter. You know, something along the lines, Dear Pastor Ed, um, I used to go to your church with my family, uh, but after your son passed away, I left because I saw you as a weak man. And I didn't want to follow you as a weak man, so I left. And then as he goes on to share in his letter, which actually ends up being a very positive letter, and he says, but, you know, recently some things happened in his life where now he's hurting. And he writes at the end of his letter, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Because I was wrong. You know, he wasn't entirely wrong. He did see a weak man. You bet. He did see a weak man. A man that was weakened to nothing, face down, no strength in his own abilities, no, no, no more leadership, no more vision. I mean, it's, I love the Lord. I'm teaching the Bible. I'm praying. I'm hanging on. But he did see. But, but his conclusion was wrong because it's okay to be weak. The Bible says, see, we read the Bible and we're like, whoa, man, I don't ever want to experience that. And what does Paul say? Paul says, I cried out till I had the thorn in my flesh. I cried out till I for him to remove it. And the answer was, I'm not removing it because it's in your weakness that my strength is made perfect. So he was half right. There was weakness. You bet, I don't, there's still weakness in my life. I don't try to ignore it or deny it or cover it up. I've always been... Uh, I believe, to the best of my ability, a pastor that is transparent and open. And that's only increased. It hasn't decreased in my life. And I acknowledge that our church is for anyone, but not everyone. It's okay. I'm going to serve the people that God has given me to serve and continue to love and teach and, and just watch God, what he's doing. Because the ministry is about the Lord. It's not about us. But for those of you that have endured through that, God is renewing my strength. He is renewing purpose and passion in me. As I described it to some missionary friends of mine recently, I said, I'm sensing a second wind in my life, a, a, a renewed purpose that, that I believe the best days of our church are ahead of us, not behind us. I believe the best days of our city are ahead of us and not behind us. I believe that God is not done with any of us, that I believe that God, as he says, that his thoughts are not evil toward us, but they're good for a future and a hope. 
And the greatest thing that we can expect as the best is yet to come is the return of Jesus Christ. Is there not one thing in your life that would not be solved with the return of Jesus Christ? (laughs) I mean, that's it. We're in his presence. We're like, yes, Lord, the promise is fulfilled. And whether we're strong or weak, our church must remain focused on the Lord. That we not only want to introduce unbelievers to Jesus, but we want to stay focused. So what's the vision of our church? Well, it's just one word. If you're jotting it down, you should. The vision of our church is evangelism. That's our heart. You know, it hasn't always been that way. But I came back from a Calvary Chapel conference many years ago. And one of the pastors was sharing the passionate vision of evangelism and going after the lost. And that's our heart. God has put us in this city to seek and to save the lost. That's why we're here. Many of you walked into the doors of this church lost. Many of you tuned in on the radio, lost. But the lost have been found. And God is continuing to bring people to salvation through Jesus Christ, through his church. That you would see your cubicle as a pulpit unto the Lord. Your car, your neighborhood. That you are the church. We don't just come to church. We are the church. And our vision is evangelism with three responsibilities. Jot them down. Win, disciple, and send. Number one, we have a responsibility to win a person to Jesus Christ. Every opportunity is an opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ, to build a bridge so that we might bring them back to the cross. To win a person to Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what the Bible says. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, church. And that's our mandate, our responsibility. We have been saved to share the good news. Secondly, Once a person's saved, we have a responsibility to disciple them. That's a Bible word that literally means to learn. We're to make learners and followers of Jesus Christ. That's why we emphasize the Bible. The number one tool that God uses in discipleship is not a class, not a man. It's his word illuminated by the Holy Spirit. That if you just committed for 2019 to come to church and to pay attention to the Bible study and take notes, I promise you on the authority of God that at the end of 2019, you will be a different person. Why? Because God has worked his word into your heart and changed you from the inside out. That if you will surrender to him, the best discipleship you receive in this church is the teaching of the word of God, week after week. And you know, when you do something week after week, week after week, week, it starts to become familiar to you and then you don't pay attention anymore and then you just like get through it and how long is he gonna go over this time and what's for lunch and you got this chipotle burrito over your head and you're just like, I don't know, should I get guac or not? I don't know. And it's just so quick, we take out, we just so, but, but this is the time you have dedicated, you know, you've, point, you've come to worship the Lord, God has come to disciple you and he'll meet you here. And then thirdly, we have a responsibility to send out those that have been discipled. That's all of us. We have come in to be sent out. We're going to be heading out in just a few minutes. We're going to go out into a lost and dying world. Why? So that God might use us. It's not like we can make more money or develop our career or to have a bigger house or to have 10 cars. As many of the things that God might allow in your life, they're only tools to build a bridge with people. So you're into cars. Fantastic. Use that hobby to build a bridge with unbelievers that aren't into cars. Use it for him. You've got a big house. Invite people to stay with you. 
Have a Bible study in it. Fantastic. Use it all to the glory of God. But I'm telling you, as the years tick off in your life, as I see it I mean, in my own life, you know, I'm, I'm getting older. I feel it. I see it. I recognize it. And I embrace it. I embrace the years that God has given me. I'm grateful for them. I've learned a lot over the years. And I'm eager to find out what God's going to teach me, how many years he gives me. But I tell you this, as I get older, this is coming more clear. Now, you, you younger people, you guys that are in high school or even younger, junior high, you, you got to understand, only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. And I'll tell you, it, you'll learn it young or you'll learn it old, but you'll learn it. Why not learn it serving the Lord and using everything that he entrusts to your care for the gospel? We're on this planet, this church. There's a lot of great churches in town and I rejoice and worship with them, but we're here for the sake of seeing souls saved. That's why God raised this church up. And we've seen a lot of it. I, it blows my mind. I, I, I'm, I'm very surprised that God would use me. I'm not, the, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not even a very good Bible teacher. I just love Jesus. And I wanna be committed to use what he's given to me and be faithful with it to do business until I come. I should be, I should be the greatest inspiration to you in the human realm because if God can use somebody like me, he can use you. And he will. But not when you're all in comfort and ease and just kind of coasting along. Not when your passion has gone out. You got to remember, not only are we to preach the gospel, but Jesus said to go and make disciples. And then Jesus taught us in Acts chapter 1 that the, when the Holy Spirit's power comes upon you, you're going to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And so with that, with that mandate, we have Jerusalem. Jerusalem is our home base. For us, Jerusalem would be Aurora. More so, that would be your house. Your house is Jerusalem. The gospel begins at home. If the gospel doesn't work at home, it won't work anywhere else. The home is the proving ground of the gospel. And so, for us, it's Aurora. That we want to be faithful in our city. This is where God planted us. But then you notice on a Bible map, he says then to Judea and Samaria, which is a broader section outside of Jerusalem. For, for us, Judea, Samaria is the whole metro area. You know, far south, far north, it's the metro area. It's Denver, it's Fort Collins, it's Castle Rock, it's all, it's all the way on the other side, Littleton. That's our Judea, Samaria. We're here to reach the lost. The state of Colorado, the United States, Judea, Samaria. And then to the other ends of the earth, which would speak of world missions, where some of you are missionaries, you don't know it yet. Some of you are heading off to another country. We're going to pray for you and support you and send teams to you. We're going to encourage you. We're going to text you. We're going to write you notes. We're going to send you gifts so that why? You can go out fulfilling God's will in your life and there's a new Jerusalem there and another Judea Samaria and it keeps going and going and going until the coming of the Lord. And we want to be faithful and we see how God has blessed that without us really even trying. We just want to be faithful. We want to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? It's the good news that your sins can be forgiven. It's the good news that deals with the bad news. And you know what the bad news is? The bad news is that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I mean, if you examine your life today, I'm sure you can find a sin. Now, it may be hard for you to even use the word sin. I respect that. Examine your life and see if you can find a mistake or two. I tend to see people agree with me. Yeah, I've made a few mistakes. I'm not perfect. Okay, thanks for agreeing with me. What you call mistake, the Bible calls sin. 
It means that you are not perfect, even though God has required perfection, that, that our mistakes are against a holy and a righteous God, a perfect God, a creator of the universe, the creator of you and me. Now, if you've grown up in this culture, you have another barrier to go over because if you've been educated by this culture, the, the, the education system of this culture says this, there is no God. You evolved. And I don't know what it is recently, but when I was growing up, we started as some kind of ooze in the middle of somewhere. And we were moving around and bubbling and boom, an eye popped up. And now we're an ooze with eyes. And then that started growing up and an arm came out. And we were only like this, but it was coming out, all right? And you got the ooze and the eye and the little arm. And then somewhere along the way, we became a monkey. I don't understand how that works, but we became a monkey. And then you come through monkey and boom, boom, here we are. Now this, can we just test that theory real simply? I know it's simplified, but can we just test it? If I evolve from a monkey and monkeys became humans, why can I go to the zoo and visit a monkey? Wouldn't you think, wouldn't you think that if monkeys become humans, we don't need monkeys anymore? We know there's some deeper theology on that. But I'm not a monkey's uncle, I'll tell you that. I worship the one true God who created me and loved me and sent his son Jesus Christ to die for me. And the world needs to hear it. Your family needs to hear it. Your neighbors need to hear it. And you're the voice. That's the vision of our church, gang. It's not very new, I know. But I do know you're gonna experience a lot of change this year, real good stuff. And probably the most startling one is that I just really sense more strength from the Lord to lead you well to pick up some things that we've let go, like the huddle, like some develop discipleship, like, like, like perhaps God's gonna give me greater insight in the word. I, I don't know, but I'm sure excited to find out. Uh, you know, you still hurt, I still hurt. We're gonna hurt into heaven, but there's one day when God's gonna wipe away every tear. We're gonna be reunited with our loved ones that God is gonna have his way that where everything's gonna make sense, every wrong is being made right. And you're going to look back on your life, live for Jesus. You're, that's one of the cool things of heaven. You're going to look back on your life, live for Jesus, and say, you know what? It was worth it. It was worth it. Everything the Bible said is true. And the glory of the Lord just causes you to fall down and cry out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Are you here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus? That's really what it amounts to, isn't it? Yeah, we're a church. Most of us are saved already. We love Jesus. We're running with the vision. You bet. I've dedicated my entire life to following God. You bet. Good, bad, and ugly. You know, you just think of what a deal we get. We get Jesus and Jesus gets us. But that's his deal. He loves us. He loves us in our weakness and our difficulty and our goofiness and our quirkiness. He loves you. And even those of you that are in your sin right now, Jesus Christ loves you and gave his life for you. That if you'll repent of your sin today, whether you're here in the building, you're downstairs, you're watching online or listening on the radio, God has you hearing my voice on a purpose. And that's for you to turn away, your, turn away and repent from your sins and surrender your life to Jesus Christ once and for all. And so, Father, we pray as we head out today, stirred up as a church family, um, recognizing our weaknesses and recognizing your faithfulness. I know there's some really deep issues in our room today. I know there's some deep pains. I, I know that there's some um, 
fears and anxieties, even as we were singing, you know, um, that I'm going to praise you before the breakthrough, not, after, not, not until the song becomes my anthem, you know, it's like my, my, my testimony of your faithfulness. But until then, I praise you. But I know some listening to me have never surrendered their life to you. And we pray for them right now that they would bow the knee and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And if you're here today as the church is praying, you'd say, Ed, I want to follow God. I want to follow Jesus. Would you just stand to your feet because I want to pray with you right here, right now, that God has got your attention and he's asking you to follow him just like he did many times. God bless you over here that God would just do that work in your life. That's it. This is the day. This is why you've gathered here, why you've walked in this room, why you're listening. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's his promise. And he wants to save you. He's gone to every link to save your soul and to bring life into you, spiritual life. If that's you, don't be shy or ashamed. Just stand in recognition of your desire to follow Jesus. Just right where you're at, you can stand and give God a chance to, to, to use your life. God bless you. It's just a beautiful thing. Bless you. God bless you. In the back, you guys. The outpouring of God's work in your life. He loves you so much. And I know it might be hard. It might be the difficulty that brought you to this. But man, I'm telling you, God is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation. He's the one that forgives. The one that transforms lives. Even when you can't see it, God knows. Is there anyone else that today's the day? You guys on the radio, I acknowledge you. I acknowledge you on the radio. We don't see you, but we love you. And we're glad. Pull your car over. Step aside with your phone. Stop your jog. And let the Lord save your soul. Surrender to him. God bless you guys in the back. That's great. What a great way to start 2019. What a glorious way to be involved in the work of God in this city. And so let's, let's follow through. Let's, let's confess with your mouth. So it's, it's the, it, the Bible calls it prayer. So you can say this prayer and repeat after me. Dear God, I admit that I've sinned against you. And I believe you sent Jesus Christ to live for me, to die for me. And I believe Jesus rose again from the dead to save my soul. And I dedicate my life to following you, Jesus, from this day forward. Help me to turn away from my sinful past and to submit my life to you. God, I know anyone anywhere that calls out to you, you hear them, you answer them, and I just pray this is the real deal. We don't know, but we're excited. The angels in heaven rejoice even over those that repent. Just one, let alone so many. And so God, pour out your spirit on this place. Let us be the church that is on the move, ministering the gospel, loving these new believers, making room for the mess of sin and destruction that's in our world, and that we might go in with your love and your mercy, that we might be used by you, even in unconventional ways, the ways we never would have expected, that you would have your way with us and put your hand upon a blessing upon those that have chosen to follow you today, both here and afar. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. 
For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.